Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Hey, welcome to our show. It's for you. Those that work so freaking hard for your money and you're now ready for your money to start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom and cash flow today, not 30 or 40 years from now, but you want it right now. So you can live that life that you love doing what you love. And most importantly, doing it with whom you love. But guys, this is not just about getting rich. It's about living a rich life because as you are blessed financially, you have a greater capacity to create a ripple effect through the lives of others. And that is exactly what I'm here to do today. And thank you so much for allowing us to really create that ripple effect in your own lives for tuning in. You've been binging, sharing. And guys, thank you so much. Uh, shout out to our own clients as well. Those that are in the Money Ripples program, the VIP clients. Shout out to you guys. You guys have been ripping it up. Love seeing the fact that some of you guys are 20% on the way to your freedom goal. Some of you guys are already over 100% of your freedom goal. So Thank you so much for you guys tuning in, even though you hear me all the time. Hey, as a reminder, guys, if you haven't done so already, go to our website, moneyripples.com, take the passive income calculator, find out how much passive income you could actually create in the next 12 months. Guys, it's pretty cool. You got to check that out right now. Hey, are you looking for another great podcast to listen to? One about investing and not only just investing, but learning about cool deals like investing in apartments that does not require you to have to be an accredited investor or have a million dollars. Hey, if you want to check that out, go check out my friend Lane Kawaoka's site, simplepassivecashflow.com. He's got a great podcast also called Simple Passive Cashflow that you can check out on YouTube, iTunes, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. If you want some great education and to learn about great ways to invest in other types of deals without, again, needing a ton of money, check it out, simplepassivecashflow.com or look up Simple Passive Cashflow on YouTube or your podcast app. Check it out. All right, guys. So I brought on a, a real special guest here today that uh, somebody that I've, I've gotten to know in our mastermind circles, Tim Harridge here. Now, Tim, one thing you got to understand him is the executive director of RCN Capital. And he's also the host of the Uncontested Investing Show, which yeah, you should definitely check out. It's something I've actually been on as well. He's in a lot of different real estate businesses. This is why I'm bringing him on because I want to really get his perspective on what's going on. I mean, everything from, you know, he's been in the real estate investor space, obviously for a couple of decades. But most importantly, guys, like he's not, he's also in REI circles, uh, real estate investors that way. He's also like founder of the 2020 REI group. He's a co-founder and managing director of what's now Finance of America. Also founder of the REI Expo. Have you ever been to that? So not to mention he's been a franchisee and development agent, agent for the home investors of America. So this guy has got his finger on the pulse and that's exactly what we want because I want to challenge whatever the media has been telling you because that's probably why most people get stuck never being wealthy. And so that's why I brought Tim on here today. So Tim, thanks for joining our show today. Hey, Chris, how are you? Man, fantastic. Glad to have you on, man. So give us a little bit more on your background. I mean, obviously you've had a few decades of experience in the real estate space, kind of like I have as well, but go deeper. Tell us more of your story. Yeah, you know, went to the Marine Corps straight out of high school, got a job selling life insurance after that, realized that wasn't any fun. <laughs> That's awesome. We're talking about infinite banking on the show. That's great. I love right. it. 
<laughs> from there, I ended up, uh, I got a job as a project manager for a house flipper here in Dallas. And that was really the beginning of the time in the industry. My parents built houses when I was a kid, but it uh, started doing his project management, his owner finance sales. He taught me the acquisition part about a year into doing that. <laughs> then I went and just like everybody got enough information, wanted to go out on my own, partnered up with a local hard money lender and started building a big owner finance note portfolio. Mm. A couple of years after that, my wife sold me a house. So I partnered with her, left the other partnership. Gosh, the year before the Great Recession, we did 143 flips and almost lost everything we ever had in 08 and 09. Made it through without any foreclosures and still married. Uh, two things that a lot of people didn't do. Yeah. Started the RI Expo, sold out to Think Realty, met the guys at Blackstone, started B2R Finance, merged that with Finance of America, took it public in 21. And now I'm the executive director at RCN Capital. I've been borrowing from RCN for about five or six years now, maybe longer than that. CEO Jeff Tesh, founder CEO, is just a great friend of mine. And uh, after we took FOA public, he called me and said, hey, dude, you want to do it again? And I said, yeah, why not? That's awesome. Man, you've gone around. I mean, I'm saying this in the most like le- least sleazy Mac Daddy way possible, right? But I mean, man, I mean, you've definitely had a lot of experience in this space and what's been going on here. I want to kind of go back to getting your teeth kicked in a little bit with the flips because I think it's awesome that, I mean, you were able to come out of that unscathed. I didn't, right? Like I came out with over a million dollars of debt and had to pay that back. Kept my marriage intact, at least to a certain point, but it was rough on the marriage too. I mean, tell us more about that. Like, how are you able to pull through? I've got a great wife and she won't ever listen to this. I'm not just saying that to kiss up to her. You know, we just shifted. We went to the Home Investors Convention that December and they gave us all the book, Who Moved My Cheese? And I read it and I listened and I, I've always been the kind of person I go around and ask advice and opinions from people. So mm-hmm. I just started diving in and it just, I think the biggest thing is I took massive action quickly. A lot of people were ignoring the real impact that, the issues we're going to have on them. Whereas I listened to the wise. And so we had 38 vacant houses in August of 07, whenever the crash happened. That's the crash. It's everybody remembers 08, but it, August 07 is when the subprime market imploded. And I, I called a good friend of mine that we were in another mastermind with. Masterminds have always been a big part of my life. And I said, Jeff, what does this mean? He goes, we're effed. And I was like, okay, but can you expand on that? He was like, we're effed. Sell everything you have. And I was like, okay, great. And I did it. I just started dropping the prices, taking losses, offloading inventory, our rentals that we had some really bad rentals that, you know, when money's easy and everything's going up, you just kind of keep the houses that nobody else wants. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then when the market slows down, you realize you have a toxic rental portfolio. So, you know, we started, I would go to work every, and so my wife went and became an REO agent. She started selling Mm -hmm. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac foreclosures in our hometown. And that was pretty good money. Those are three, $400,000 sales. So that was her full-time job. I was a stay-at-home dad for a certain part of that uh, with our, uh, now he's 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. But I'd go evict, do some of the work myself, and we sold a lot of houses on owner finance. So uh, by doing that, we were able to create that income, but then also capture the down payment to offset the uh, lack of capital that we were experiencing. So how do we do it? Just 
got up every morning and went to work. It was not fun, nor was it easy, but I'm glad we did. I love that story because it really shows that you did a few things that I picked up here from what you just said. I mean, one is you didn't just trust on thinking, well, it's always worked. I'm just going to keep doing that. You sought counsel. You kind of had that mastermind or that those people around you that you could talk to and be able to say what's going on in real time. But then on top of that, you were able to still maneuver, figure out what's going on. Like I remember REOs back then and like they were hot. I mean, when you're selling for less than 10 cents on the dollar, I mean, as long as you didn't have a huge tax liens on it, you're like, oh crap, I just bought a turd. But for the <laughs> most part, I mean, it sounds like you guys really maneuvered that nicely. I've always been one of those, one of my mentors said, don't never sacrifice good enough for perfect. Uh-huh. I think you know, so many people are always trying to achieve the perfect strategy, the perfect plan, the perfect outcome when good enough gets you by. So yeah, when my cheese was moved, it, it helps to have a family you have to support. I mean, cause I didn't have any choice. You know, you got to do what you got to do. And uh, it's probably the Marine in me, a little bit of a type A personality too. That's ultimately the message that I was spreading really starting February of 22 was told every new investor that would listen to me like, Hey, this is going to be bad. You don't know. And it's funny. Some of them didn't listen and some of them did. And I kind of approached my business and my life with everything. Uh, just do good and help people and good and help will come your way. And it was interesting, though, to watch kind of the last, call it 17 months, has been very interesting to watch with the way the investors are receiving the information that is out there. And then ultimately what they're doing with that information. I think I went to Mike Hambright's Investor Fuel in the first week of February, 2022. And I got up there during my sponsor spotlight and I said, guys, guys, y'all got to listen to me. You don't understand the effects that this interest rate increases are going to have. We don't know how far they're going to go. Inflation's baked in. I told him, I said, we just, if you've got inventory, now is the time to reposition it. Because back then, we were still closing loans at 3.75% on 30-year fixed for DSCR investors or the rental loans. And the investor mentality in February of last year was, this isn't going to hurt me. I'm fine. And then we got around the May investor fuel meeting, and it was interesting. It was almost a sense of arrogance developing, right? Mm -hmm. Because rates had gone up. But if you remember, there was a massive rush to buy houses. That's right. So they were all making money hand over fist. So at that point, they're like, well, that ain't going to work. This isn't a bad. What do you mean, Tim? I'm like, guys, you don't understand. This is this false insecurity. Well, by the time we showed up at the August meeting, it's like, I think Mm -hmm. I have to let my staff go. I'm going to need to stop advertising. Not sure I can pay for the mastermind. And then it was funny. In December, it was like, I may shut down the business because his November meeting, everybody had cut half their staff. And But then you roll around to this February's meeting. It was very interesting. Everybody has now, in the Marine Corps, we would have called it embrace the suck. They've adjusted. The ones that are still there have adjusted. Mm-hmm. The ones that are still there, they reduce their staff. They reduce their overhead. They reduce their expenses. And... Now they're optimistic about buying back in at today's prices because many of the markets have gone down 20%. So I think we've reverted back to normal. And and that sentiment is going to be a lot more keen on discipline, on maybe a slower scale, right? Not trying to hurry up 
I feel like the investor mentality and, and discipline has gotten to, uh, I said it on the stage at Family Mastermind, short and simple wins the day. At yeah. this point in the market cycle in real estate, you don't want a lot of exposure. You don't want a lot of short-term exposure because that's the, the next two years is the weird part. Pretty sure we all know it will be in 10 years. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to ask you next is where do you see it going now? Like, do you see this, like you said, it's like more slower scale, like how would somebody pivot or do it differently today than they were trying to do in 2021 or 2022? Well, the lagging effect of these policy changes mm-hmm. is so difficult to measure in less than six to 12 months. Yeah, It just doesn't have enough time to get all the way through the economy. I can tell you this. As we sit here today, I filed my first eviction in three years. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. My manager did. As we sit here today, I have more delinquency in my rental portfolio than I have in three years. I think real estate investors are taking the market and they're using the average of three comps instead of the high comp, right? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just back to discipline. For a while there, it had gotten to where we didn't need to, you didn't need three comps. Just pick the highest one, tack 10% on, and that's what it would sell for. Whereas now it's getting more the average of the three comps and you may want to skew towards the low one. Unless you're under 300,000, if you're under 300,000, affordable housing is where it's at. I mean, that is, if we're 7 million houses short, interest rates are not going down from here. They may go down a little like homeowner paper may get down in the fives. Our investor paper, we can already do a 5%, but we have a prepayment penalty. That's why. One economist said this is a reversion, not a correction. We were just in opposite world for three years. It was nonsensical. People coming to Dallas paying $100,000 above asking price. And there were three other offers that same dollar amount with cash. I feel like the worst is over for the housing market. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about intellectually, Chris, I think there should be some sort of recession coming. But as we sit here today, we still have 1.6 job openings for every unemployed person. So in the Great Recession, it was less than one, right? So if we got rid of half the job openings right now, I mean, the only way that works is if places are closing and shutting their doors. I mean, because... You can't get enough people to support what we have right now. So I don't know. I feel like we may have achieved the soft landing that the Fed wanted, but I don't think rates go back down in 23. I think they really need to hold around where they're at for six to 12 months. They need to shake out some of the entrenched inflation. I don't know about you. I've got these, I've got a teenage son and I took him and two of his buddies on a ski trip and we swing in a McDonald's. And it was $51 for four value meals. The lady said it over the speaker and I was just like, what? It was strange. So I don't know. I feel like there's more to run. Rates are not going to go down and I don't think they should. I think that this is going to be a slow, steady bleed of the ones that are good businesses and the ones that aren't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I can definitely see that happening. It's yeah, you know, essentially, you mentioned job openings. Something that just popped in my head is, you know, whenever you have something that's overinflated, right, or over the top, typically there always has to be that reversion or that correction, right? And it makes you wonder, well, gee, for it to come back into balance, 
what does have to happen? Either one, do we have to just lose a lot of companies or lose a lot of jobs? And two, maybe that's the whole Fed's point. They're like, that's what we're trying to get to is saying, how do we get this unemployment rate to not, which we know is already kind of falsified anyways, 3.4%, you know, in, in April. Come on. I mean, that's ridiculous. But And that's after layoffs and everything too. But it does make you wonder like what has to come into balance because you mentioned like in some of the things you were telling those guys in 2022. And I know we're in similar mastermind groups. I remember in 2019, we were kind of beating the same drum, you know, as we were saying in 2022, we were saying, hey, listen, there's already a correction happening. We're already seeing even the feds are starting to lower the rates quietly. They're saying, oh, I think there's something coming. So we we're preparing for a recession then. And then of course, with COVID, there's this huge influx of money, creates a much bigger bubble than we already saw before in the 2010s. And now we're like, oh crap, now this crash is going to be even worse, right? And so for people to not be prepared, it's like, how did you not see this coming at this point? Well, I just thought I could ride that wave a little bit longer. Well, that's why you got to be prepared. You know, that's where you have to be a little bit, almost a little bit of trigger happy at that point. Exactly. Completely agree. I think when it comes to determining your behavior, I think of it like the military. You never make a decision on one source of information, right? So we're entering a point in time where listeners need to, they need to consume the news, but not the drama. I listen to Bloomberg radio every morning. And even though Michael Bloomberg ran for office, it's just not a political radio station. They talk about financial news and That's all I need to hear. I don't really care what Trump or Biden have done or are doing. I know that we're just going to do the opposite of that in a year or two anyway. And that's the cycle we're in. But what I care is when they're saying that interest rates are going up, I need to learn how that impacts me. I need to look at how it's impacting foreign economies. I need to look at what opportunities I have coming up and where to put my money. And I need to hear that two-year treasuries are still... 40 basis points higher than the 10 year. And Mm -hmm. I need to hear about swaps and I need to hear about spreads because ultimately I live and breathe in an interest rate driven industry and business and affordability is important. And that's why I do it. So, but I don't act off of Bloomberg. I go ask our chief financial officer, Hey, what does that mean? What do you think? I attend the National Private Lenders Association meeting and I ask what they're doing and what they're doing and how their business is. And all those sources, that's that's just where we get, I mean, that's where you make your decisions. You make your decisions from a point of being informed, not a point of being influenced. Yeah. Often I've found that it's almost like what's beneath, what's between the lines of what's being said is where the real power is, right? Well, it's like you mentioned, like what kind of data really matters? Do we see things such as like the credit card delinquencies or even auto loan delinquencies? And how's that affecting what's happening to the average consumer, right? And, or even just today, I was reading where one of the Fed presidents came out and said, yep, I'm expecting it to be a tightening of credit, which that's a big, big deal when it comes to the economy, because the loosening of credit is why the economy still seems like it's very healthy. But if all of a sudden banks, because of what's been going on in the springtime and their potential for failures and maybe even government regulations become more strict or require bigger reserves, that just means less to lend out. That tightens credit markets, that tightens money flow and supply, and boom, we got a massive recession potentially. I've been worried about the auto loan market for years now, but it's interesting. There was an article recently, I think the average vehicle payment is now over $1,000, something to that effect. Don't quote me on That's definitely information you do not take action on. It's up there. Yeah. (laughs) No, Uh, I think you're pretty right, actually. 
yeah, I mean, so it's like, man, it, it's something's got to give, right? And, and that's ultimately that's where the real estate market is as well. Something has to give. It's either interest rates or price, like, yeah. or it's cohabitation. It's people just staying put. Another interesting stat that may make this cycle be different than all other cycles is, you know, the 50-year average of interest rates on mortgages is about 7.5%. I think it's 775 right. if I remember correctly. Well, right now, 93% of active mortgages in America are 4% or lower. Mm-hmm. 70-something percent are 3% or lower. So the math right now, Chris, if I want to move and don't want to spend more money, I have to buy a smaller house mm-hmm. and pay the same payment that I'm paying in my bigger house right now. Right. And so it's creating this issue of nobody selling. They don't want to sell. It, it, only if they have to sell, will they sell. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, it's stripped supply out of the market. Because there's now a significantly intrinsic value behind that interest rate. So it's going to be interesting. I don't have the answer. I know we don't have enough houses for the human beings we have. I know things are awful expensive. Uh, But even if you doubled the amount of foreclosures that we had this month, we would not be back to the historical norm. If you double the amount of homes on the market right now, we would not be back to historical norms. Yeah. I mean, there's only 2.6 months worth of supply of houses, but healthy is six. Right. You know, it's what I say. I tell people, you got to just keep your timeline short, invest in income producing assets that you don't need to, I'd say, you don't plan to sell in the next two years. And man, fixed rate debt has never been more popular, has it? That's for sure. Yep. So, yeah. Tim, I appreciate this. This is a great stuff here. I mean, other than I mentioned the podcast, they can follow you on the Uncontested Investing Show, right? Where else can they follow you? Yeah, I'm all over social. And Tim Harridge is not a common name. So I'm at Tim Harridge on all the social platforms. And RCN Capital is at RCN underscore capital on all the platforms. I try to do my best to put out content that I think is uh, helpful and um, entertaining. And brag on my kids when they smoke a home run. <laughs> that's right. No, you were really valuable here today. I really appreciate your insights and everything. And that's what I love. Like, I love the fact that that it's not like you're get, you're buying into the drama, right? That's why I want to dispel on the show is get away from the drama. Let's get to what's actually happening in the reality so that we're ready. No matter where this person is that's listening right now, whether they're like, they've got cash, they're ready to deploy, there's one, you know, the right moment, or they're just trying to build up the cash, or maybe they need to build more cash because they're in a world of hurt if they don't. This gives lots of great insight. So I really appreciate your time and, and your expertise here, here, Tim. Well, thank you for having me. And I guess I'll see you pretty soon. Absolutely. And I look forward to it. And everybody else, same for you as well. Like, again, you could be a hero of the word, but it's so much more powerful if you're a doer as well. Like Tim had mentioned earlier, it's not just about taking perfect action. It could be imperfect action. But moving in that right direction, that allows you to be able to be at a place where you're able to prosper. You go from ordinary to extraordinary. Guys, make it a wonderful and prosperous week. And we'll see you later.
Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 